podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Anything But Footy. We are the Olympic Commonwealth Paralympic Sport Unashamed Bias podcast. We don't talk Premier League. We don't talk Champions League. We don't talk Nations League. We talk all sports except the one that we mention in our title, footy. We talk sport politics, we talk big news, and we talk topics like that as well. Now, John is alongside me. Well, he's not actually alongside me. We're at opposite ends of the country today. Uh, but the first question I've got for you, if you remember from episode one, John, mm. we set ourselves some homework. <laughs> Have you done your homework? <laughs> it... um... This is... Uh, how many days to go before Tokyo 2020? Yeah, have have you done your homework? This is post Songs of Praise, post Antiques Roadshow. We're, we're talking after Howard's Way See, here. I always um, used to do mine on a Friday night. I used to get it out of the way. <laughs> um, I reckon that there are more than a thousand days to go. 515 days. Wow. That's It's close, counting it? down. That is counting close. down. To the Tokyo Olympics. Thank you, by the way, to everyone that contributed following last week's podcast. Uh, carrying on the debate on social media. Plenty of ways to get in touch with us. Facebook, uh, we're on Twitter, at anything but F. Instagram, YouTube, and you can email us as well, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. Plenty of social media chat last week about funding. Sure, that's a topic that we'll return to on a future podcast. But let's start, John, with breakdancing. You for it or against it as an Olympic sport in 2024? Oh, look, this is one of the topics of the week, and it always gets people's attention. New sports coming into the Olympics, because, you know, we talk about Tokyo being 500 days away. Uh, Skateboarding, surfing uh, are all going to be gold medal chances at Tokyo 2020. And breakdancing is just the latest idea that somebody's had and thought, well, this is good. I I think it was at the, um, the Youth Olympics that we mentioned in episode one. Um, and it went v- down very well in Buenos Aires, uh, where the uh, Youth Olympics were taking place. And so you can see why, if you're the IOC or you're the Olympic Committee or you're Paris 2024 looking to stage relevant games, then you're going to try and have things that are relevant to the youngsters because people are always going for the youngsters, even though so, us middle-aged people are the people that spend the money and all that. They always want the youngsters to go. So answer the question, are you for or against it? Uh, definitely not. Defi- it's, not it, <laughs> it's not a sport, and that's my big issue with it. So the Olympic, what, the Olympic sport is built on faster, stronger, higher. Well, you know, breakdancing? I mean, it's all on the floor for starters, so it's not very high. Uh, yeah, OK, you might be a bit strong, uh, and you may go quick, or you may go... I, I, I just can't see it. And it's interesting, like in gymnastics, Michael, they've removed the music from the gym floor routine to make it less dancey and more sporty. Yes, they still have synchro sim- synchronized swimming. Yes, they have figure skating in the Winter Olympics. But, I mean, for goodness sake, I mean, my, you know, my, your children, my, my children, children all the way around the world love swiping iPhone screens and, uh, and, and phone screens. Come 2032, is that what we're going to be offering as an Olympic sport? I just can't see it. And one other thing on the French as well, uh, because they also last week announced that they wanted lightsabers to become an official sport. And, I mean, come on, this is Star Wars. <laughs> this is geek heaven. Uh, 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 the French can't be that desperate to come up with events that they might actually be good, be good at. Yes, they've won the Footy World Cup. We don't mention that. They're just not very good at other things. So the lightsaber, breakdancing, it's all just a, a really bad idea, in my opinion. 
Well, I'm all for it. I think the oh, Olympics needs to, needs to innovate. I mean, how many children, your little boy, my two girls, are they seriously waking up tomorrow morning and thinking, do you know what I want to do today? I want to do a bit of modern pentathlon. We need to engage young people in the Olympic Games. You know, I know there's, you know, big shouts for sports like squash and snooker and karate to stay in the game, stay on the programme. But if we're going to get young people and the Olympics in their ideal, and you've been at those opening ceremonies the same way I have, it's a call for the youth of the world to come together. And unfortunately, the youth of the world are not going to come together to take part in a lot of the sports that are on the Olympic programme. But they may, they may come together to take part in breakdancing. Clearly, to be a breakdancer at that level, you need to be supremely fit, which I think is a good thing. It's obviously taking years of training and dedication. So when that final decision comes around in December 2022, include breakdancing on the programme and the World Dance Sport Federation have been behind it. I'm all for it, John. Well, I reckon the, the BBC will be pushing for Strictly Come Dancing to be in the Olympics. Uh, before it's you an interesting it. interesting point, that, because there has been this discussion that, that breakdancing's the Trojan horse, if you like, because if the World Dance Sport Federation get breakdancing in, that means dance is in as a sport. It's a sport, not it's, a discipline. It's the opening and... ceremony. It's not a sport. <laughs> Does that mean it opens up for things like ballroom dancing and other forms of dance coming in? in the future as other disciplines. Key thing here, obviously, is it's something that can take place in an existing venue. So unlike squash or something like that, you're not having to build a new venue. It's not going to increase the number of athletes significantly because the IOC want to keep this cap on 11,000 athletes. There'll be 11,000 in in Tokyo. They're trying to get it back to 10,500. I'm all for it, Percy. Breakdancing, I say to the IOC, go for it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced at all. But uh, but we will see. And it 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 brings us on to a, a another big story of the week as well, Michael, about um, the power vacuum, if you like, in 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 British sport. That you need. You know, we're talking about the Olympics keeping their numbers tight and making sure that they uh, run efficiently and they're not too expansive. And and chief execs of sporting organisations are key members of making sure that you know that the events take place that we've been talking about about having these great events here in this country since 2012 but also making sure that it's well funded yeah and the big news this week obviously certainly from a british perspective is is bill sweeney leaving the british olympic association he's off to uh, head up rugby 18 months out for an olympic games are you surprised Perhaps by the timing of that decision, we do have current CEO vacancies at UK Sport, at UK Athletics. Also in that sport, we don't talk about the (laughs) Premier League, Football Association, the English Football League. Their chief execs stood down this week. Are you surprised by Bill Sweeney's decision this week? I mean, I think it did come a bit out of the blue, um, but he said it was the only job he would go to. So going to the Rugby Football Union with a World Cup coming up in, you know, a few months' time. I think that's a tough that's a tough way of going in because, you know, you've had the whole build-up. Um, it's been somebody else's responsibility uh, to get England to a, to a point where they, they, they stand a chance of getting to a, a World Cup semi-final, unlike when we hosted the event in England 2015, of course, which was an absolute disaster uh, with us crashing out of the group phase, the first hosts to ever not get out of a group phase. So I can kind of see why he would want to go into that position. And look, I mean, he's one of the good guys. I mean, you know, it, you know, our... Uh, anything but footy podcast is not about you and I remembering our glory days of Rio. Uh, 
But, you know, I remember him, you know, meeting him outside the velodrome after Sir Bradley Wiggins had, and, and the team had won the Team Pursuit gold medal. And he was absolutely buzzing and, and, and really enjoying being part of that uh, Olympic buzz. And look, he, you know, he got the BOA, the British Olympic Association, Team GB, as they're known to, to most people, um, on an even kilter after 2012, uh, where, you know, the money side of it was, was tight. And then he oversaw the greatest ever away Olympic performance in Rio. Um, you know, and I just think, as you say, there's, there's a number of positions going um, at the moment. British athletics looking, um, you know, really ahead of the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham in 2022. They need someone in there uh, who's going to do that. What I'd like to see, Michael, and here's a question for you, is, you know, some new names coming through to these positions. And could they be former athletes? Could they have athletics experience? And particularly some from the black, Asian and minority ethnic community, because absolutely, you know, we see that coming through in athletics in the coaching side of it. But where are the administrators? Yeah, it's a really important point that you raised there. And I think the issue with some of these people, people that have obviously got a lot to offer their sport when they do maybe pack in, whether it's, you know, competing as an athlete or, you know, whether they were a hockey player or a triathlete or whatever, they do have plenty to offer their sports. But sometimes it's easier, as you know, to go and sit in the radio studio or sit in the TV studio. But it would be great, wouldn't it, to have... And, you know, I think with British athletics, obviously they, they do have people like Steve Cram working with them in an advisory capacity. Where else do they look? Where else do these big sporting bodies look? Do they look to business? Do you look to, you know, the likes of a Richard Branson or someone like that to maybe take a, a role on like this? I think being the chief executive of the British Olympic Association is not a, a role that someone could do one, two days a week. It's a, it's a full-time role, especially with 515 days to the Tokyo Olympics. Bill Sweeney did it tremendously coming off the London 2012 bounce as you say having to get ready for another games in very different circumstances and just modernising the organisation as well and they're moving in obviously to their new HQ with the British Paralympic Association as well that is a smart move and just taking that that brand if you like of Team GB on it's a it's an interesting one let's move on to athletics mm. actually because we, we mentioned UK athletics there we've got this huge athletics event coming to our shores first to the 3rd of March in Glasgow, European Indoor Grand Prix. We've had the World uh, Para Athletics, their first Grand Prix of their season in Dubai, has taken place today. Tickets on sale for the British Athletics outdoor season this week as well. If you want to get down to the British Championships, Anniversary Games, Anniversary Games, as you know, always a good event. And the Indoor Grand Prix season wrapped up as well with uh, Shalane Rossi and Clark going very close to taking the title. But what's been your take on Richard Kilty? We spoke a week or so ago. He wasn't yeah. going to the Europeans. Uh, he hadn't got the time. Now he's been invited. He's in. Yeah, well, we said it was a bit weird that British Athletics didn't only picked one sprinter anyway. And we thought it was a bit strange then. And we talked about Reese Prescott, why he wasn't there, that he had the qualifying time. So did CJ Usher. But, they, you know, they didn't didn't have the inclination, frankly, uh, to go and, and compete at these European indoors. And I think the, the, the European Athletics have come back and said, well, actually, look, he's the defending champion. He should absolutely be there. I mean, he's, he's won it twice from, from memory. And he's a, he's a world indoor champion as well. Um, you know, he, he has the, the experience to be able to do it um, and do it really well. And I'm, I'm pleased that he's in just because, yes, we want youngsters to be coming through in this British team, this British athletics team. We talked about it last weekend. There are too many 
uh, being funded, but that's a you know that's a different. We're not talking about that specifically here at the moment. But actually, we want uh, on a home games, we want or a home event, we want to have people who the fans know that they can get behind. And I think Richard Kilty is is one of those people uh, with that sixty meter experience, and you know it is now the biggest team ever. Uh, which is right for a home championships, and as you rightly say, it's it's going to be a, a special three days um, with uh, with the athletics world watching. And Neve Emerson is also uh, been invited by European Athletics to go in. Charlie Grice has pulled out. I think the team currently sits at forty nine. Now Neve Emerson's a really interesting prospect. I have to tell you, I watched her quite closely on the Gold Coast at the Commonwealth Games last year, and you know she's got some big spikes to fill because she's the the natural successor, if you like, to, to Jessica Ennis Hill and Katerina Johnson Thompson. She's she's the next one off the production line. I interviewed her as well, and you know I think she's got everything about her in terms of her personality um, to, you know, build on what Katerina Johnson-Thompson and Jessica Ennis-Hill have done. I remember the first time I interviewed Jessica Ennis-Hill when she was kind of coming through and she was this huge name and I was so nervous about my interview, I actually forgot to press record on it. <laughs> and I noticed about halfway through my first question, this other gentleman came across to me and started recording the interview as well. And I was thinking, well, that's a bit cheeky. He's just recording my interview, my first interview here with, you know, who the woman who's going to be the face of the British 2012 Olympics and London and all that. And he's just recording and stealing my interview. But I was quite grateful afterwards when I realised I hadn't recorded it because, of course, I could get a copy of it from him. Uh, so <laughs> have, that you pressed, was good. have you pressed the button today? Hopefully I have, yes. So Neve Emerson is in, uh, Richard Kilty is in. I think the important thing to say about Richard Kilty is he wanted to compete. Um, he didn't have the qualifying time as, as British Athletics set it, but he did for European Athletics. He wanted to compete. He wanted to go to Glasgow, and he's there. And it's a big event coming to Glasgow, 1st to the 3rd of March. And Glasgow have got a load of big events coming. So they've got short course swimming Europeans at Tollcross later this year. An interesting event coming as well. Glasgow is going to be hosting the inaugural 2023 Cycling World Championship. I think this is fantastic. What they're doing is they're going to bring the World Championships of track, road, BMX and mountain bike cycling all together. Glasgow has got, as we know, the infrastructure to host it, having done the European Championships, the Commonwealth Games. They've got experience in world badminton, world gymnastics as well. But that's something, you know, with the the road racing championships coming to Yorkshire later this year, the Tour de Yorkshire continuing, obviously, as well, and going from strength to strength. But that is, I think, another way of a a sport innovating to try and create a bit of buzz about itself. Well, it's a better idea than breakdancing, let's be perfectly honest on, on that. I agree with that. I mean, you're, you're right, because the World Track um, Championships obviously take place this, this coming week and, you know, climaxing next weekend when the European indoors are taking place. And I know, we'll, we'll, you know we, we previewed that last weekend with the team. So it's nice then that you've got, as you say, the road race and the time trials being in the same place with the BMX. It's kind of like a, a, a mini kind of, um, uh, you know, Olympics for the, for the cyclists, which makes total sense. So that is 2023, another date for the diary. <laughs> I'll ignore your little dig at breakdancing because I was notice, noticing with interest today British Cycling have been promoting the British e-racing championship so if breakdancing is coming in in 2024 I predict and you touched on it right at the start of the podcast e-sports might well be the future but away from the, the virtual track as you say the track cycling in Poland and the paracycling team has been named for the para world championships in Appledorn as well some big names in there John yeah, there is. And great to have Dame Sarah Story back, Britain's most successful female Paralympian. She actually hasn't competed at this level since Rio 
um, and she's had the, the birth of her baby Charlie as well. So it's great to have her back. We are talking about the 14th to the 17th of March, as you say, uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, Kadina Cox, who famously, of course, won in athletics as well as uh, cyclist, the first British Paralympian to win gold medals in multiple events at the same games for 32 years. Uh, she has been uh, selected for this team as well. And then it's it's a role call of names that you, you know, reigning world champions and they go for the rainbow. They're chasing rainbows, if you like, uh, to quote Shed Seven. Um, you know, they are looking for that uh, rainbow. I, I, I practiced that one over the weekend. Um, <laughs> they, You've lost me. <laughs> they're, they're trying to get a rainbow colored top. And Jody Cundy is the reigning world champion. Katie Toft, Megan Giglia, Crystal Lane Wright, Lewis Rolfe, John Allen Butterworth, Neil Fackey and uh, Matt Rotherham. He's piloted by Rotherham. In fact, those two have twice broken the world record in the tandem kilo so far this year. So uh, with them, Laura Fackey, Sophie Thornhill, piloted by Helen Scott, and Steve Beatty, uh, Bait with uh, Adam Duggleby as well, and some newbies as well, Finley Graham, George Peasgood and Matthew Robertson, maybe some names to watch out for. Uh, I think that paracycling uh, continues to go from strength to strength ahead of Tokyo 2020, of course. It's going to be a good few weeks to keep our eye on the track, both in the paracycling and, of course, that World Championship track cycling, where the Kennys will be taking part. Laura Kenny and Jason Kenny, you've been following his Twitter account. Yeah, just last weekend. In fact, um, the um, British Cycling announced in the in the week, actually, they're having the uh, HSBC UK National Road Championships this summer. And you mentioned Yorkshire quite a lot, as I know you're a big fan up there. So I'm going to mention my home county, Norfolk. They are going to play host to the championships, the Great British cycling festival it's a weekend long of celebrations but during that that uh, weekend in june uh, june the 27th for your diary uh, right through to june the 30th the sunday uh, there will be um, the men's and women's time trial champions uh, ships taking place and then the road races as well and they'll be going at place cross uh, places in norfolk uh, from the center of norwich city hopefully um, uh, uh, celebrating a great summer, uh, depending on the football, which we won't mention. Uh, Roxham, Cromer, Wells next to the sea, and then up to Holcomb Hall for the men as well. So there's going to be some spectacular racing on the roads of Norfolk. And why I mention that is because Jason Kenny uh, tweeted last weekend, uh, on a nice Sunday afternoon, I go for a ride with my 18-month-old son on a quiet country lane, only to be o- almost run over by a van driver who drove at us then proceeded to angrily inform me it was my fault we nearly died. Uh, he moves on to a second tweet, and he's, he doesn't hold back, Jason, and, and you, you've interviewed him, I've interviewed him. I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't like to cross Jason Kenny. Can I just say that? In, you know, I, he is a lovely guy, but I wouldn't like to cross him. And if I was this van driver, if he knew who he was, he'd have been very surprised, uh, and he'd have got a, a, you know, a, probably a, an earful. And he said, in his dense skull, he believes he has the right of way, so he's willing to kill someone? Rot- what is wrong with people? Seriously, do we think that little of cyclists in this country, it's embarrassing i'm ashamed to breathe the same air as this man and i tell you what if that van driver ever gets to listen to this don't celebrate if jason kenny wins a gold medal because you don't deserve to 
Yeah, doesn't suffer falls. That would be the phrase I'd use around Jason Kenny. That man sounds like a fool. I'm quite glad you went that way with that story because when you started talking about driving in Norfolk, I wondered where exactly uh, you were heading with that. And I've still got an eye on maybe getting an MBE. And I just thought you might be putting that in jeopardy. Uh, but we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, congratulations to Sally Conway, uh, judoka, who won gold in the uh, Dusseldorf Grand Slam event. Uh, I really like Sally Conway. I interviewed her a few times in the build-up to the Rio Olympics. She won medal, of course, in Rio. And uh, my favourite story about Sally Conway is when the Team GB ball was held at the end of 2016. Um coincidentally the judokas were staying in the same hotel that i was ahead of the ball and um, we all turned up quite late and we were all sort of trying to get checked in and, and rushed in and uh nakoda smith who was one of her teammates said to her right what are we going to do because i think there was four or five of them all sharing one room what are we going to do we've all got to get showers we've all got to get dressed and sally conway turned to her and says oh i'm all right i think i'll just do my pits and i heard this stood behind her and started laughing knowing of course that it was the the judo team in front of me and I was giggling away, and they could tell I was giggling away. And the next time, obviously, I saw her was then on the red carpet ahead of the Team GB ball. Well, she was on the red carpet. I was behind those barriers waiting to try and do some interviews. So I did my little interview with her, and then I said, I've just got to ask you about your hygiene, Sally. You have had a shower before you've come here tonight, haven't you? So, uh, yeah, well done to Sally Conway winning that gold. And Not people, such pe- Talking of barriers, people don't understand how much we stand behind barriers. Um, I, I don't think people will quite get when you know when we say we go to the Olympics, we're we're, we're not rights holders. So um, and and different sports have different ways of treating non rights holders, don't they? That you know yes. some are, some are welcomed in, and and you know I think British athletics are great at the events that they cover because they want as much coverage as possible. Their sponsors want as much coverage as possible and so they you know you're welcomed in and you can watch the sport and then you can interview people but during the olympics as you rightly say in a lot of sports you tend to stand behind a barrier and have to watch it on tv or actually watch it on twitter and i into sally conway i interviewed her literally after she won her medals over a barrier in the back of the i think you know outside of the stadium because we're not allowed to record in the stadium or in the arena that she was uh, that she was victorious but i was allowed to record in what they call uh, the kind of uh, the mix zone well not the mix zone we're not allowed in the mix zone uh, we were allowed to record in the common ground i think is, is something <laughs> what it was and i was over basically a, where they deliver things yes with 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 you know the crisps coming uh, the pringles coming or whatever they were in uh, in rio and uh, and uh, and the beer that was particularly good but yeah no um, sally over over a barrier so this is something that you know we we often think about, and I just think people don't quite get that if you're oh you well if you went you must have seen everything, and it's like well yeah kind of kind of is the and best this, description. This is going back to to Bill Sweeney and, and Team GB and the operation, the press media communications operation that that they put in place for people like us that aren't actually allowed in in the venues. Uh, so yeah, congratulations to to Sally Conway. Uh, good news for her. Um, not such good news though for Niall Wilson in gymnastics. He's had to have a, a serious operation. Yeah, one of our Olympic heroes and, and Commonwealth heroes as well. Um, out of the Gymnastic World Cup, which is taking place at the Birmingham Arena later on in March. And he's also out of the European Championships as well. Uh, he's got what he's described as an ongoing neck issue and underwent surgery uh, earlier this week. Now, he said that it's, it seems to have gone well. And he's, look, he's trying to remain positive uh, and uh, resting and focusing fully on his rehab. Um, Joe Fraser has been called up instead uh, by British Gymnastics for that uh, Gymnastic World Cup in Birmingham in later. But I tell you, Niall Wilson is one of those greats 
um, you know, who you know, like Max Whitlock, who is who's massive to a lot of young people. And I, I go back to the breakdancing thing. Yes, you know, you want to bring young people into the sport, but Max Whitlock and Niall Wilson have done more to bring sport, you know, people, youngsters interested in sport than you know than a lot of people because they are so successful and you know i take my two and a half year old son to the the gymnastic um location where max whitlock first trained and they just open it up for an hour in the mornings before the main gymnasts arrive and it's like a soft play area and i think if you're getting kids into that then that's a great way of uh, of getting into a real sport but we wish uh Niall wilson uh, all the best also his mum and dad as well because i met them in glasgow they were actually sitting in the same row uh, when i went to watch the gymnastics and they were uh, so proud of Niall uh, when he burst onto the scene in glasgow in 2014 and uh, yeah he, he, he's one of the good guys yeah i'm glad to to hear in glasgow at the commonwealth games they actually let you in the building uh, so we wish <laughs> Niall for the tickets <laughs> We wish Niall well. A couple of other things to mention before we wrap up. London Landmarks Half Marathon, which is taking place towards the end of March, have announced their uh, entertainment along the 13.1-mile route today. It includes a Harry Potter party and the ringing of the Bow Bells. That sounds good. Uh, Well done to Johnny Brownlee, who's won the final stage of the Super League Triathlon Series in Singapore earlier. Uh, Finished uh, second in the endurance race, but won the Eliminator race. The overall title has gone to France. Brisbane looks set to bid for the 2032 Olympics. Meanwhile, the IOC, though, has suspended applications from India for future events after two Pakistani shooters were denied visas for a World Cup event in New Delhi. Now, this potentially could have a knock-on effect for this summer's Cricket World Cup, which is taking place in England. Mm. Two countries, Pakistan and India, scheduled to meet on the 16th of June. That's up for discussion currently. Uh, But Brisbane for the Olympic Games, fancy that, 2032? Well, I think it's probably, you know, probably due um, to have, the, to, uh, you know, Australia to have the Olympics again. You know, they, they love their sport down there, as, as you will know, having been to the Gold Coast. There we go. I've done, you, done it for you. Um, but I, I, I would also say that if the, if, if the likes of Brisbane are going to stage the Olympics um, and, and not Sydney doing it again, because you do, you know, I think you said last uh, on the episode one of anything but footy that actually it's probably going to be the same cities over and over again going forward because they're just such mammoth things to put on. But I think if Brisbane are looking at, at 2032, then, you know, if Birmingham can pull off the Commonwealth Games in 2022, which I'm sure they will, you know, we go back to that, you know, that bid for 1992 for Birmingham. Could, you know, could they get back on the uh, on the Olympic run as well? But, uh, you know, I wouldn't. Uh, I think Brisbane is a, is a great city and you, you know, you'll know more than me having been down there. Yeah, well, the IOC obviously made it clear, didn't they, ahead of 2012? It was London or nothing. Manchester's bid a couple of times. Birmingham had bid, as you say, but London was very much the the only option as far as Great Britain was concerned. But I wonder whether that might change. And, you know, we've mentioned Glasgow. I wonder whether from from this nation they Mm. could be in pole position at the moment. Well, that's it from anything but footy for this week. Don't forget you can get in touch with us. Find out uh, more about us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. And we'd love your emails as well. Email about anything you might have heard on the podcast. Anything but footy at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.